Coaches, what's going on? Um, spring ball is in full effect. We're excited. We're back into uh, playing some football, coaching ball, and so uh, you know what we what we got hired to do on on the football field. So we're excited. Uh, if you guys want to check out any more of the things that we're doing, uh, go to runthepower.com. We've got uh, our free sign up and our all access pass to uh, the O line hot summit, which is coming up at the end of June. We've got premium and standard videos for you guys. Uh, we've got all of our podcasts on our website as well. So you guys check out everything we're doing on there. Uh, and and uh, also shoot us an email if you need anything or hit us up on Twitter. Uh, we'll be happy to answer, answer any of your guys' questions. This episode of RTP is brought to you by GoRoute. GoRoute is offering a spring ball special exclusively for our RTP subscribers. Between now and April 15th, the first eight subscribers of Run the Power who purchase a GoRoute system will be eligible to receive a $700 discount off their package or receive two additional units added to their package at no cost, right? a $700 value. To take advantage of GoRoute Spring Ball Special, go to GoRoute.com and request a, qu- request a quote using the promo code RUNPOWER19 in the comments section. Okay, so again, uh, go to GoRoute.com request a quote and in the comment section uh, enter the promo code runpower19 uh, you guys can learn more at goroute.com uh, email sales at goroute.com or give them a call at 866-777-1448 just mention us or runpower19 uh, to get your discount uh, of $700 this episode of the podcast is also brought to you by sideline power Sideline Power is the industry leader in coaching communication. Offering cutting-edge technology and innovation, Sideline Power helps coaches around the country elevate their programs to the next level with new and used headsets, end-zone cameras, drones, portable sound systems, timers, and much, much more. Sideline Power works one-on-one with some of the most influential coaches and nationally ranked programs in high school football. They continue to help coaches push the envelope of player and program development. Throughout their expansion of their product offering, Sideline Power has remained committed to offering quality coaching communication at price points for every program. They're family-owned and operated with a customer-first mentality. Sideline Power is truly the number one choice for coaching communication. Visit them at sidelinepower.com, at info at sidelinepower.com by email, or give them a call at 800-496-4290. This episode is also brought to you by uh, Guardian Caps. Both of our programs uh, at Broken Arrow and Ankeny invested in Guardian Caps this year, and we feel that they are really helping our guys out. Uh, they're soft shell helmet covers that reduce impact during practice and are used by over 100 colleges and 1,000 high schools. Texas, Clemson, Oklahoma are just a few of the colleges using them right now. Check out our show notes to see what Coach Lincoln Riley has to say about them at OU and to get some pricing. Uh, and they're actually a lot more affordable probably than you guys would even think. Uh, Go check them out at guardiancaps.com. On this episode of RTP, we talk with Gus Smith. Coach Smith is a football coach at Southern Boone High School in Ashland, Missouri. Listen as we talk with Coach Smith about his football beginnings, coaching football while still going to college, and his views on coaching the offensive line. You can follow Coach Smith on Twitter at CoachGusSmith1. Hope you guys enjoy. Coaching won't be that much. I'm pretty young, but 
All right, my name's Gus Smith. I'm coaching at Southern Boone High School in Ashland, Missouri, which is located just about 15 minutes south of Columbia, right between Columbia and Jeff City. Um, this is I'm going into my fourth year of coaching. I've been coaching since I was 18. So this is also my alma mater. I graduated in 2000, um, I guess it would be 2015, wow. But there weren't many colleges lining up to look for 5'10", 225 pounds, and that was a pretty chubby 225-pound lineman <laughs> who run 5'4", So Dang it. Yeah, I, I didn't exactly have the pick of the litter. So at that time in my life, I basically – I always dreamed of playing college football, even though I always kind of knew it was unrealistic. But at that time, I really had to face reality and know that if I want to stay involved in this game I love, I got to coach. So the minute I graduated high school, I was combing the entire area looking for coaching jobs. I didn't care if I was the JV holders coach somewhere. I would coach anywhere. So would it, would it, what did you kind of go? I mean, were there places? So you said you, you were Coleman. Did you kind of send out some resumes, send out some feelers? Did you go talk to people, get in front of people, shake hands? Because I know I, I've been in that mode, you know, many times. Heck, I, I was just in that mode when I, I got my job up here in, in Iowa. I didn't know anybody. You know, I knew, I knew one yeah. guy who was coaching sophomore ball at, at Waukee. So he kind of, you know, hey, you know, he knew some guys there at Waukee. What? everything up here was tied to a teaching job. It's like, well, Hey, can you teach? And like, yeah, you know, obviously <laughs> I can teach, but you know, getting in with some of the, the principles and things like that was always kind of a, another story. So I literally po posted out a bunch of resumes and I had to drive up here and just whoever responded, I went and shook their hand and met with them. And lucky enough that, you know, a guy like Rick Nelson took a shot on me and, you know, took me out to eat and actually took the time to kind of get to know you where, you know, 20 other guys literally never even got back to me. So how did it go for you? Well, I wasn't exactly sending out resumes at the time. I mean, there wasn't much to put on there. And <laughs> this was really the first time I had to go out and look for a job. Because the only other time I've ever had a job in my life was my family has been mainstays in our community for, I think, since the 1820s. Like, we're one of the oldest families in the area. And we got – I'm from a town of 120 people. Everybody knows everybody. So my first job was working for my dad's friend on a farm. And I just kind of did that. But I never had to go out and search for a job by myself. So this was my first time doing that experience. And a well, funny story, I was so awkward at the time. I didn't know how to approach people and ask for a job. My brother, who's actually in high school at the time, asked the middle school head coach at Southern Boone, who I had a relationship with because he was a teacher when I was in school and all that. But he asked him if I could help coach the middle school team. And he said, yes. And my God, you would have thought, you would have thought I just got like an NFL head coaching job or something. I was jumping up and down <laughs> celebrating. Like I didn't care if it was seventh and eighth grade football. I just wanted to coach so bad. It's been something I've wanted to do. Like basically my entire football playing career since seventh grade, I had I had a dream of having that whistle and just being a coach. And, that I mean, that was awesome. So, yeah, I spent a year at middle school, all right, and in 2017 I decided to take a leap of faith. Um, there was a coach in the area by the name of Tim Rulo, and he recently got a job at a private school just down the road. Just excellent program, excellent program. State 
state championship history, storied history, which is not what Southern Boone had. We've had football for, I think, 11 years at the time. And this is just one of the blue blood programs in Missouri. So uh, Tim Rulo used to coach at a school we used to play called South Callaway. And they, my senior year, they beat us 52 to 10. And I'll never forget, his team was one of the most impressive teams I've ever seen in my life. Like, they never talked trash. They never – they didn't beat themselves in any way. And this is a school of 200 kids. We had 300 more kids in them. But they would come at us with their 5'10", 170-pound linemen and just knock the snot out of us with perfect technique and A-plus effort all game long. And that, that stuck with me. And since then, it was kind of a bucket list goal for me to coach under Tim Rulo. So I applied to um, coach under Tim Rulo in, um, in 2017. Basically, basically, I was a high school GA. Like, I was freshman coach. I, I got to help with the offensive line. And, my God, I, I learned so much in 2017. It was unbelievable. I, I brought a notebook with me to every single meeting, and I filled that thing out every single day. I mean, it was – it was such an educational and just a different experience for me. And Coach Rulo is one of the best guys I've ever been around in my life. And that's not – he has a very different coaching style than any other coach I ever played for or coached under. He is so loving. He just doesn't – he doesn't cuss. He sets such a great example with his, how he interacts with his family and how he interacts with his players. And he showed me a dimension of coaching I'd never seen before, which is building personal relationships with players. Because I always thought, of course, I was 19, 20 at the time, I always thought coaching was like blowing a whistle and yelling at people and making them run. <laughs> I always kind of wanted that authority, but it wasn't like that at all. He, he showed me a side of coaching that I know when I played, not only was I not very good, but I had some personal problems my senior year within my family. and. I ran into a lot of confidence issues. We had a coaching change my senior year, and and this is my fault, but I didn't build up a relationship with the head coach at the time, the new head coach, and I felt like I had no one to talk to. And seeing Coach Rulo, how he interacted with some of his, not some, but all of his players, and how he always had such an open-door policy, you can talk to me about anything, anytime. I just know, like, I would have really appreciated that as a player. And that gave me a whole new outlook on coaching. So, yeah, 2017, we, we lost in the district championship game that year, which at most schools, what we, what we did at that school that year would have been – that would have been a good season. But they decided to let Coach Rulo go. This is a program used to winning state championships, semifinals, quarterfinals. They're not used to um, – playing two games and being eliminated from the playoffs in the districts. So he got fired from that job, and I, I was kind of lost in the beginning of last year. I didn't know where I was going to coach. I didn't know what I was going to do. And to be honest, seeing what happened to him, I didn't know if I really wanted to coach anymore at all because I always kind of knew this is a job where, like, you're always kind of waiting to get fired. You're always kind of waiting to be let go, especially if you're a head coach. Like, stability is so rare. But I just – I remembered how he coached, and I had a whole new outlook on coaching at the time. And I just decided I really want to impact young men in this way for the rest of my life. I really want to be a, a 
a special part of their lives to be a good male role model because I know not every kid gets that. So then I went back to Southern Boone and really, since we're a small school, you kind of have to do a little bit of everything, but I really was, thought I was ready to have my own position group for the first time, really. So I, I coached middle school offensive and defensive line, and I was kind of a voluntary, not a little more than a GA, if, you, if you'd say, but I helped coach the high school team. I coached the offensive line there, and I, I just helped out in any way I could at the program, any way I could, because, I mean, this is my alma mater. This place means everything to me. Just being able to service this program in any way I can is just such a great thing for me. It's something I'm so passionate about. Harper, I know you know you'd kind of come out and you obviously you'd at least been you know in in college you didn't have you know come right out of high school like uh, like Coach Smith had to you know <laughs> hopping right out of high school and having to kind of hop into a position where I mean you know at least you were coaching maybe guys who were you know seventh and eighth grade guys who were going to be a, a few years younger than you. But you know, oh yeah, Co- Coach Harper kind of being in the, in the same boat, you know, being 22, 23, 24, and and you know, coaching some some 17 and 18 year old guys. What what was your kind of deal, Harp? And I want to kind of just compare it to what Coach Smith, you know, had said about you know, hey, I I thought it was just you know, I, I get a whistle, I, I I bark commands to guys, I, I teach them schemes, I call plays or run plays, and we do drills. Like, how did you, how was your mindset, Harp, when you kind of got started, and, and how ha- has it maybe evolved now that you've been in it four years? I don't know that, that it was necessarily that exact thing, but I, I, I will say what I've – it sounds like Coach Smith got it a lot earlier than I did, but was, was that changeover, and it's something I've been thinking of a lot lately in, the, in this past year, especially since starting the podcast, but um, – I think I thought of it purely as uh, what I came from in college, which was the business of it, um, which sounds bad, but it's like I wanted to be awesome at coaching football. I wanted to make my group really great, and my whole goal was for my offensive line to be great offensive linemen. Um, and fairly selfishly past that, I didn't think much of the position as far as um, uh, helping – young men turn helping teenagers turn into young men you know I don't know that I was the best role model for the kids I don't know that I was I think that I taught them uh, quite a bit about football but past that I'm not sure how much of an impact I had on those guys um you know from like like coach Smith was saying from a um you know that they could confide in me I don't know if there are any kids that could confide in me in that first year or two I, I think I did a poor job of that um, and I don't think it was until really this past year that I've started to evolve into um, trying to more be there for my kids and help them uh, grow into young men. Um, I think I've, I've grown and done a better job of, of helping all my kids um, and, and letting them a little bit closer. I think, you know, kind of learning from Coach Bartell, Coach Walls, is that like you've got to be – I was just thinking about this morning, so it's kind of funny, but – he already always talked about like you had to be strong enough to have those tough conversations with kids to hold them accountable or hold them to the standard. Well, my first few years, it was like, I don't want to let any of these kids very close to me because it's a lot easier to have those tough conversations. If you don't feel any, um, you know, camaraderie with the kids or if you know what I mean? Like if you don't let these kids in too close, 
it's a lot easier to um, get on to them and hold them to the standard. It's not as um, it's not as personally um, straining on you if you're not that close to the kids. You know what I mean? If you just treat them as as far off a little bit, and it makes it a lot easier to have those conversations where when you let these kids in, and which is the way you should do it, and you um, are really trying to mold their lives, it becomes a lot more difficult, a lot more taxing on you to have some of these difficult conversations and have, you know, some of these um, standard holds with the kids. And so um, I think that I came into it with like a very, maybe not a blow the whistle type, but I was just very matter of fact, um, let's not get too close. Let's treat this like a business because that's how I had been treated all through college. And it made me a really good offensive lineman. I don't know what it did for me personally, but it made me a really good offensive lineman. Um, I get, came through four different coaches. It was business every time. I never got too close to the coaches um, and got better at offensive line. I think where I've grown this past few years is kind of where Coach Smith, it sounded like, almost started at um, with actually trying to build a relationship with these kids and try to help these kids out um, past just football which sounds really selfish and awful. I, I hate to admit that, but I always heard coaches on Twitter and coaches speak at clinics and they're like, man, it's all about the kids. It's all about helping kids. And I was just like, yeah, I guess, I don't know. I don't really ever think of that. I'm thinking about how to make them really good offensive linemen. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's definitely true. And the thing with the age, that's something I experienced my first year of coaching seventh and eighth graders. Cause I mean, they're 13 and, to them, I might as well be 25 and or whatever because I'm I'm in college and they're in seventh grade. Like they're gonna listen to me. But when I first got to high school, is when I really had some struggles because one of the senior offensive linemen I was coaching that year, I actually played against because he started as a freshman when I was a senior <laughs> at one of the schools in our conference. And coaching him was it was quite the experience. He was actually a pretty good kid. But then I had an, I had I had a difficulty with another senior. And this kind of goes back to knowing someone before you kind of chew them out. And so I was supervising the weight room and he was doing lunges and I thought he was giving half-ass effort and I called him out for it. And this kid turned around, looked me in the face and, sh- and said, shut the, you know what, up, Gus. Didn't even call me coach, just called me Gus right to my face. <laughs> and I had to leave the room. I-, I, was pretty, I was pretty pissed about it. But after talking to some of the co- other coaches about it, I mean, I, I had to confront him sometime, and he didn't like that, obviously. But that's when I kind of learned, like, you have to build relationships with kids before you just go off screaming at them. Because I learned later on that that kid who was a senior got his starting spot taken. Senior quarterback got his starting spot taken that day. And I couldn't imagine just how terrible he felt. And having some coach who he barely knows and is barely older than him screaming in his face was probably not very helpful. And lashing out like that was wrong, yeah, but I could have been better. And that's an experience I carry with me. And I always think about that when I think of, like, just screaming at players. I played for a coach named Roger Vandezane who has turned around multiple, multiple programs. I think he's been coaching since, like, the 70s. Anyways, he has a very – big reputation of being a very intense coach he is very much a yeller and a screamer and he will get in your face and challenge you and I always responded to that coaching that's how I like 
I, I didn't know anything else at the time. But I kind of learned that he also would go out of his way to build relationships with players and not just yell at them all the time. And oh, I, I kind of think about that now more than I did when I was 18 or 19. See, yeah, Walls, I, think, I, Walls <laughs> I don't think I was ever um, necessarily really a screamer. Never, I, I think, no. I, I just – it's not in my in, – and in maybe there's times I need to a little more, but it just has never been in my nature because it never made sense to me as a player. I was always a fairly cerebral player. I always wanted to do really well. And, like, it was like when people screamed at me, almost other – only other than if it was effort, it never made sense to me because I was like, yeah, I, I'm trying to do this. I want to be good too. Uh, so it never made sense to me to scream. So um, – I think my very first year, I screamed a little bit more than I would have wanted to. And, I, I, you know, I look back at those times, like uh, the next few days after I had done that, and I was like, I think I was purely screaming just to show the other coaches that I was coaching. And I was like, that was just – which is <laughs> – I've been when, there so many times. Man. You know what I mean? It was like, I want to show the head coach that I'm actually getting on to my kids. And I look back at that the next two days, and I'm like, yeah, but I didn't truly need to scream at that kid. I didn't think it warranted it, and I was just doing it to show to almost me not get in trouble. I was like, that's that's kind of a cowardly. And so I, I think I learned from that pretty quickly that um, not only did it not help, it wasn't truly my feelings, and so I shouldn't have been doing it. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, I, I wouldn't call my – especially now, I'm not like a screamer. I, I get pretty intense, but I always do it in a loving fashion. and. I always let the kids know – I always say something positive to the kids after I yell at them. So it's not just like a negative and just pounding down on them all the time and whatever. Like I want them to know like I'm out I'm out doing what's best for them too. Yeah, I think it's it's one of those things that if if you are – and again, you know, it depends on the person. You hate to paint, you know, broad brush strokes. But, you know, using myself as an example, I think if, if I was negative and screamed all the time, you know, for one, that that would be not really my, you know, my style. People would think I'm being fake. So the kids would be able to see right through it. And then number two, if, if that was all I did and I never built anybody back up and I, I didn't have coaching points behind it or I didn't have reasons behind it, which, I mean, if you're going to yell all the time, there really is no reason behind it, right? Um, yeah. The, the kids are eventually going to just tune it out. And, and as soon as you've lost credibility and as soon as the kids have tuned you out, you may as well just quit coaching at that place because it, it's really, really difficult to get that back. You know, and, unless, you know, you let those kids kind of go through and they graduate and now you get a new crop of kids where maybe, you know, you, you have changed. I just think, you know, being able to come from a, a, a background where you're, you're actually teaching and you're actually coaching and then you're actually showing you have a vested interest in in kids improving, you know, again, everyone says, you know, Hey, improving off the field, on the field. I just think if, if you're helping kids get better and make them feel better about themselves, you know, and, and I know coach Bartels talked a lot about, you know, their own self image, people never, never can hit that. But if you can get people to feel better then maybe they think of themselves, those are the kind of people that people want to uh, follow. And those are the kind of, kind of people that kids kind of gravitate them to themselves to. And, now, once you kind of have that credibility, it becomes so much easier to then, when they're not hitting the standard that you've decided and that you're holding them accountable to, now if I need to get after them, they know it means something like, whoa, coach is mad. I'm, I must have done something that, that was not good. 
or my effort was, was not good. You get them refocused on it. You know, you pat them on the back. It's like, Hey, you're better than that. I, I know you're better than that. I believe in you, all those things. That stuff carries so much weight than if I'm just sitting there belittling and demeaning them day after day after day. Definitely. I mean, I, that's the hardest part, especially as a young coach, because you always have to build that boundary. Cause I mean, I'm, I'm 21 going on about to be 22 and I mean, there's still that really small age gap and it's really easy for an 18 year old kid or whatever to want to think you're just their bro or their buddy or whatever. And you got to set that boundary and I mean, you got to be kind of hard with them at times and you got to be really professional. And that can early in my career, that was very hard. Now it's just a, I mean, I shouldn't say it's a cakewalk, but it's a hell of a lot easier than it was three years ago. Cause I'm not that kid anymore. I'm not immature. I'm not a high school kid. I'm not, I'm a I mean, damn near a college graduate. <laughs> I know it doesn't sound like much to maybe some of the people listening, but <laughs> I mean, yeah. Coach, so you're, you are going to college then too. Is this something you've been able to kind of, you know, kind of manage your time? You know, what, what are some things that you're yes. kind of looking to do? I mean, what, what is, is your degree in what's, what are your studies kind of going? Cause it's gotta be pretty awesome. I know, you know, when I, when I was in college back at, at Black Hill State, it was really cool to do some work-study stuff after I was done playing to be able to kind of get, get in and, and learn some of those things with the football team. And, hey, I was getting paid at the same time. Yeah. No, I mean, so I'm going to Mizzou right now, which is obviously just 15 minutes from our campus. I'm a history major. I really, I really want to teach someday. I'm coming from a long line of teachers in my family, and it's just something I've always been interested in doing. So, I mean, and it's such, it's such a neat experience because I get to learn about teaching all day. And then I get to apply what I learn in the classroom to the practice field or to the game field. And I just love that. Yeah, there's nothing, nothing better than being able to, you know, take it. You talk about learning, you know, t- taking the knowledge that you're being given in college and then actually being able to go out and apply it. You know, that's always yeah. kind of the, the, the major knock on the people. It's like, oh, sweet, you got this four-year degree and – you have, you know, 20 hours that you spent inside of a classroom and, you know, five of them you were actually, you know, doing some teaching. Well, yeah. I want to ask Coach, Coach Harper the same thing, you know, because I know Coach Harper had gotten out and then he was going to have to get into teaching and, and now he's doing, you know, uh, astronomy. But what was that like for you, Harper, kind of having to come out and, and have to, to roll into a classroom and start managing and start teaching right out of college? I was a pretty confident person, so I didn't have a, a – wasn't – too huge of a problem for me, but I didn't take one course in high school or one course in college that prepared me to be a high school teacher. I mean, I went through, um, and I kind of tell the story, but I, you know, I went into college and I knew I wanted to be a teacher. And so, uh, the very first day that I, uh, you don't even remember how you sign up for college or whatever, but signed up and said, I wanted to be in an education and I wanted to be a science teacher. So I write that down and I don't think I looked at another college course thing for two and a half years. Um, I, you know, you go to the, and I never visited one time I visited with like the real schools, um, counselors and it was like a joke and it made me so mad cause they kept pushing me on to different areas. And I was like, piss on this. I'm not doing this again. <laughs> and so every time I, I never had to, I could always just meet with the sports, um, counselors or whatever. So I always did with them and then let them kind of take care of it. Well, at whatever, two and a half or three years, you, you have to meet with the actual counselors to make sure you're, you're on your graduation plan or whatever. And so I go meet with them, and they're like, 
okay, you've got so many hours towards sports administration and you're good to go. And I was like, sports administration? I was, uh, no, 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 my major was education. And they're like, nope, show's right here, sports, sports administration. I was like, ah, oh, dang it. And so I go, I go over to the sports people and I'm like, hey, this is supposed to be education. What's going on? I need to get it changed, blah, blah, blah. Well, basically it comes down to, no, we can't change it because the NCAA, you got to have so many hours towards your major and, and you wouldn't be if you changed it. And so you basically have to sit out a year and all this stuff. And I'm like, well, that's definitely not what I want to do. I was like, well, can I still get into education? They're like, yeah, there's a test or something. Don't worry about it. Just go play football. And so I was like, okay, whatever. So I, I finished college and, and it's not till then that I'm like, okay, so how do I really become a teacher? And then at that point there, everyone at the university is kind of like, oh, well, I don't, I don't know, go figure that out. But uh, you're not playing football here anymore. So um, hopefully you figure that, <laughs> figure that out. I was like, okay. And so, um, you know, I get hit up by coach Alexander and, and I go there and I'm lucky that um, he doesn't know a ton about it anymore either because he'd been out, you know, he he's been a teacher for whatever, 10 years. And so after asking around up at the high school and uh, online and all this, I find out you have to pass a test. Um, so I'm like, okay, well, I, I think I've maybe taken two um, science courses my whole entire college career. And they weren't, they were the very first, you know, classes I took. I was like, but <laughs> I want to teach uh, science, so let's take one of these science tests. So I take the uh, earth science, because my dad's an earth science teacher, take the uh, earth science test, and I pass it. And I'm like, perfect, ready to roll. Well, then um, I look at the rules even more, and the first test you have to pass is your um, specific, whatever you got your, um, your degree in, you got to pass that one first before you can pass any of the other ones. So then I got to go back and like the last minute I have to pass the, the PE one because I'm sports administration kinesiology, which was a really easy test to pass. So I pass it and I'm like, all right, I'm going to teach earth science. It's going to be good, blah, blah, blah. And then uh, like in June or July, I've kind of already been hired just like, oh, uh, we'll, we'll find a position. They're like, all right, we've got you in astronomy. And I'm like, I, I don't, okay, I guess. I don't, I don't know. And so I interviewed and I'm like, yeah, I, I love science. So um, <laughs> I've uh, seen the stars before. We're good. Yeah. yeah they're every yeah. night. I see them out there. And so um, all June and July, I'm just studying to know something about astronomy. And that first year kind of embarrassingly, but I guess it happens with a few teachers. They're like, Hey, if you can just stay a week above a week ahead of where you're going to be, you'll be all right. And so all that first year I stayed about, a week in front of where my class was going to be and figured it out as I went. And, um, I, I never had a huge problem managing the class. I've, I'm lucky to be a big, large person. And so, uh, my, my uh, classroom management has always been, uh, pretty easy to come, come about, but, uh, teaching style and all that has kind of, has kind of come, um, with that, uh, you know, has come along and, and I tell you the most difficult part and why I wish I would have went through education. One is, and it wasn't hardly one college course that I took that actually prepared me for anything after college, which no. is, you know, uh, almost why I, I don't even hardly believe in the whole college thing. I mean, I think they're trying to make money and, and I think that everything I, I learned in college, I could have learned online, but uh, I guess that's kind of off subject, but that's no, what I, I agree do. with you. That's and, the truth. And maybe only the one course I took was a, was a coaching course and it was taught by one of our track coaches. 
and it was basically putting together a, uh, a script for practice and it was for different sports and you had to teach different uh, in quotes age levels and so the kids would act like seventh graders or the kids in the class would act like college kids depending on you know what what you had that week and so that was the only course I took in all of college that actually prepared me for anything after college and I thought that was a shame and I missed out on a few courses that I wanted to take really going into college the one course I wanted to make sure and take was psychology um, and I'd take a couple of psychology classes and, and I never got to do, to do that and so I kind of wasted my time in the education field really and and didn't end up using any of it in high school or, you know in my job so that was kind of a shame and 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 so I would say for any coaches that want to get into teaching already know they want to get into teaching make sure to go through the education program because the worst thing and I still have to deal with it today is all of the um different like letters that that teachers or principals want to use for everything we've got our PLCs where you got to make sure you do your common and your formatives and your LCTs and your ROAs and I have no idea ever what they're talking <laughs> about. I just sit there and smile and then afterwards I ask a teacher, I'm like, which one's the formative and which one's, oh, okay. And then a principal will come around and be like, oh, do you, what do you think of the RPTs? And um, I'm like, yeah, that, those look great. I never know what they're talking about, Walls. <laughs> and Walls is now the king of all those letters. He knows them all. Uh, and I don't ever know any of them. So um, it, go to college, go to ed, into education and learn what all the uh, what all the acronyms are. That's what I would say. Well, the thing, the thing about the acronyms and I, I'm sure Coach Smith's learning, learning some of it in his stuff, but he's probably more, you know, content based. Yeah. With, with history and having to write all of his essays, I bet. Yeah, um, no, I am. <laughs> But the the thing is, is it, it seems like it's different at, at so many places. So I, I think so much, and, you know, Harper, you've said it. You know, Gus, you've said it. It's <clears throat> learning those executive skills, you know, how, how to be professional, you know, how to, how to listen in meetings, how to take, you know, proper notes, how to be organized, how to understand, you know, what, what's going to be a good strategy for, for instruction. I think <clears throat> researching those things and now being in it, as an instructional coach, it's, it's really opened my eyes to it because again, uh, you know, Harper knows it's, it's man, the, the first couple of years I'm in there, I'm just trying to survive. <laughs> stay, stay a week ahead, you know, make sure, you know, I, I, I know how to take attendance. I know, you know, kids aren't going to freak out in my class and, and be able to manage the class and get them a test and get them a grade and talk to parents. You don't have time to, to study all this other stuff on top of, okay, my real passion, I want to coach football. You know? Yeah. I don't have to worry about all this stuff. So when we have free moments, we're studying football. So yeah. I just think, you know, it's, it's a matter of, you know, Coach Harper saying all this things like, hey, yeah, when a principal talks to me, I, I know I'd have a professional conversation, you know, and if I need to ask questions, I know who, know who to go ask to get those answers, you know, and, and not being so, you know, full of yourself or, or having that kind of ego to like, hey, it's okay to admit that you don't know. Just know who does have the answer. You know, it's what you always tell the – the, the kid that, that's struggling in class, hey, sit next to the smartest kids. They'll, they'll teach you. They'll have a better way to, to, to teach it. So I think so many of those things you don't have to go to college for. You know? and, and if I could go back and do it again, too, I, I would seriously go to you know, one of the, the two-year schools. You know, I didn't really have that option in my hometown, but you know, going to those two-year schools and, and getting the associates and getting saving some a bunch of money. And saving a buttload of money. Yeah. You know, I'm still paying off you know, loans. 
and and it's I just think there there's so much to be said you know the online courses that you can take and the money you can save by by staying at home for maybe a year or two and then maybe you're getting a job and, and going out and getting real experience like we're talking about you know being able to to learn some of that responsibility I think those are the most important things that we should be teaching kids and those are the most important things that we should be educating ourselves on because you know, let's be honest. Hell, I taught I taught chemistry. You know, kids don't need to know the periodic table. No, you know, unless unless there's you know two of them in there that hey, you know, Coach Walls, I'm going to go be a chem major and I'm going to be a chemist. Perfect. That's awesome. That you found your passion. You know, but 98% of my kids, they're they're not going to have that passion. So I think that was probably why most kids enjoyed the class because that was the the, the model that I took into it. It's not all about you know being the the big time chemist. It's about learning some of these skills and learning some toughness and, and having to grind through things that are, that are difficult and, and processes and being able to, to have a conversation about it. You know, I think it's, it's almost criminal to, to, to see some of these four year programs that, that they put kids through and you oh, it is. to pay, you know, 20, 20 some thousand dollars you know, to, to stay on campus and, and get my credit hours and, you know, have to eat my meals and whatever. There's, there's so many other things that I think that, that we should be teaching kids. And, you know, you guys have said it many times when I, when I got out, there was one or two classes that I actually used anyway. So it's frustrating. Yeah. Thank God I do not live on campus. That would would just make everything worse. I'm so (laughs) blessed to live 15 minutes away. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that is nice. I mean, I, my dad, my dad is one of the smartest people I've ever met, and he never went to college. I mean, that, yeah. he just does like manual labor, but he he can teach me anything. Yeah, dude, I mean, that's just kind of the way I look at it. Yeah, you go, you go find these guys that have work experience and have made a bunch of mistakes, and they that now they know how to do that stuff. You know, they exactly. just figured it out on their own. You know, Coach Harper had never done a, a podcast in his life. <laughs> went online figured out how to do it now he's the freaking maestro at it (laughs) i'd never all this stuff all this stuff that we've done we had never ever done i mean we just learned how to do that i learned how to create a website we learned how to screencast i mean all that stuff is just stuff we've taught ourselves that's all i love about this podcast it's it's just so casual and conversational and you know like here i I listened to the the charles bentley podcast this morning on my way to the gym and it, it was pretty. It was pretty funny here in the beginning of that. No offense, just how enamored you guys were. Him on, it's a legend, man. That was he's the legend, and what was a big deal? We hadn't had anyone on. Uh, you know, we've had some some big names on now uh, a little bit more, but at the time, it was like you were begging anybody <laughs> just to come talk football with us. Now, uh, yes, people, and and they're it's not it didn't feel like you're begging. They're actually excited, but. At the time, it wasn't. I will say, though, Walls, the one thing I learned uh, uh, that I actually use a bunch now with football is with being so dumb with all those acronyms in school, I now use that whenever I'm making playbooks or uh, writing installs for my guys. So instead of putting – like normally I would get to where I'm writing all these, so I'm putting, you know, A to B, S, L, B, um, fullback is – kick, e, emol, all this stuff. I'm writing all this, and then I'm looking at it, I'm like, there's a kid that's probably looking at this and saying, I don't know what BSLB is. And so I'm like, <laughs> yeah. how much longer would it take me to put backside 
LB or backside linebacker as opposed to BS LB. Like what? An extra two seconds? And it might make all the difference. So uh, in all of my stuff, I actually write it out now because um, I know how bad I was with acronyms of stuff I didn't know and how easy it would have been and how mad I get at those teachers for not just saying the word. If you'd say the word, I'd know what you're talking about. Um, and so, uh, I kind of learned that from that. Now I, I write out in long form everything I want my guys to do. And, and I don't know if it's made a difference or not, but I, I choose to believe it does. <laughs> yeah. No kidding, man. I mean, I don't, I don't know if it's any different in Broken Arrow, Oklahoma or in Ankeny, Iowa, but <laughs> in rural Missouri, middle school kids, seventh and eighth graders are not very advanced football. Hell, most of our high schooler kids aren't either, but like, <laughs> I swear to my first year of coaching, I had to teach them what an A gap was probably seven times in a six game season. So that, I mean, that was fun. But teaching and coaching that age really gave me perspective on how much I need to simplify it. I mean, it changed my entire like philosophy of how to coach and how to teach. I mean, I, I coach for the dumbest kid on the team. I don't coach for the smart kid who's mm-hmm. going to some rich private school in St. Louis or whatever. I'm coaching for the kid that is usually struggling or is behind in the playbook or whatever and doesn't need to think. Yeah, I, I mean, right, and it makes you really yeah. deconstruct everything. I, I noticed exactly. that because, um, you know, my, my son likes to go up to football and play around. He's five years old, but now I'm, I'm teaching him stance in his first two steps just because he's fun. You know, it's fun, and I don't get too serious about it, but it's fun to do. And, you know, I've, I've got – ways that I've got to deconstruct that for him so he can understand it as a five-year-old. And then I've got ways where, okay, maybe he can't take the two steps out of a stance, but he can from a squatted two-point. And so I kind of learned those things. And so I think that's helped me quite a bit with what I teach my high school guys, being able to deconstruct it to a five-year-old. Uh, a high school kid is going to do that same stuff, but he's so he knows his body so well that maybe he doesn't think of all these little things that I got to teach my son. And I should be teaching them all these little things, and that would make them um, better with their movement patterns. I mean, that kind of brings me back, um, Rowdy. My first year of coaching, it was my first ever football camp ever in that June. And I'm teaching – I'm coaching defensive line, and I'm teaching them how to read nine different blocks. <laughs> like, you got the fan block, you got the kick out. Yeah, it's there like, you I'm go. Expecting, I'm expecting that he's like – four foot nine seventh graders to know all these blocks and how to react to them perfectly in a three-day camp where there's no pads (laughs) and that i i just cringe so much thinking about that now but that's where you learn from it right and that's where you learn okay what's the most bang for my buck that i need to get right now you know of of these 20 things i need to teach what one thing and and like i said you start deconstructing what one thing is going to teach 10 of those things or what one thing can I teach? that's going to make 10 of those possible. And so you start kind of figuring out, okay, what's my most important and what's my progression of that? I mean, and I was, and I still am. I've always been a huge like go getter when it comes to just learning football knowledge. When I was a senior in high school, I used to run a snack shack, which is like a concession stand. We used to run during lunchtime. No one ever went to it. So it was part of my marketing class. And I'd sit there in the booth and I'd get on, footballxos.com if it's like a free football playbook website and I would I mean I shit you not I would copy down the Baltimore Ravens 2005 defensive playbook by hand 
and just research all those playbooks over and over. And I just tried to fill myself with as much knowledge as possible. And that's when I really learned, like, I really want to coach. But you don't take that out on a four foot nine seventh grader, you know? You <laughs> that's right. Learn, you really got to get a grasp of it and simplify it. And I mean, most of what I coach, most of my buzzwords are all stolen. Like, they're all stolen from somebody else who is smarter than I am. Like, you guys, Joe Daniel, just Twitter in general, there, there's so many great free resources out there. I mean, if you're not if you're not taking every advantage you possibly can of all these opportunities, then, like, what are you doing? Why are you coaching? Like, yeah, the, I, I just don't really, understand it. Well, there's really no excuse anymore. You know, it used to be, well, hey, you know, I, I couldn't go to a clinic or, hey, this coach, you know, wouldn't talk to me or I didn't have a connection. Now it's, it's everywhere. I mean, literally yeah. now, now it's a matter of you, you know, I don't know. <laughs> You're spending all your money on any, anything besides, you know, a smartphone or a computer. You know, can't go to the public library. I, I, I don't know what, <laughs> what the excuse would be. But, you know, I, I, again, I, I agree so much with you guys with, with the, the simplification. I remember, you know, you listening to, you know, I, I kind of cut my teeth in the West Coast offense, you know. And so you're listening to, to Gruden and Walsh and, and all of them talking about, you know, these long, drawn-out play calls. And I'm like, why? And then they kept saying how receivers, it was so hard for receivers in that offense to be able to come in and play because it would take them a year to learn everything and to learn the route adjustments and to learn the audibles and to learn all the techniques and all the different routes. And it's like, what, what, what kind of sense does that make? If I have a first round pick, I want them to play right now. And Hell I think yes. you've, kind of, you've kind of seen that movement towards, you know, simplify things. Let's, let's not let the, the offense and the learning curve and the verbiage be the detriment for for a reason that that a kid can't play i mean it may make it be the reason hey maybe he needs to take a year because he's not physically ready but for yes. a kid to be physically ready and and can make plays and can help you why would you as a coach want to limit that I, that that made absolutely zero sense to me so after i'd studied it for a while i'm like i want to make this thing as simple as i possibly can it's not about what i know it's not about how how smart i might think that i am it's about me being able to teach kids how to get on the field as early as possible because our system is that dang simple and they can go execute it easily. Yeah. And I mean, to expand on that, I, I really try to avoid using the word simple because I mean, if you ask 20 football coaches, what simple is to them, you're going to get 20 different answers. It's true. I, I mean, I hear people talking about like, Oh, all we run is, TCU two read coverage and that's it well I mean if you unfold two read coverage that's like 60 different coverages all into one I mean is that simple at the end of the day I mean you're running one coverage maybe like a man coverage with it but is that simple at the end of the day so I changed my verbiage to shrinking the picture like I want kids to think one or two things before the snap so D-line I I have them read instead of nine different blocks it's either a block two or a block away that offensive lineman in front of you is either going to come at you or come away from you. And we don't work on pass rush until we just get that perfected. Linebackers, you read the guards. He pulls, follow him. If he doesn't, you fill. Like, and that sounds very oversimplified, and we get more detailed into that. But that's just the way I see I think that's the way – I mean, when you're at a small school level like we are, you got to play – we had to start three sophomores in the offensive line this year. 
I mean, like some of those kids didn't know a scoop block from Shinola. And I had to simplify everything for them. I, when I coach middle school, those kids know, like, you can't take anything for granted. And I just take that into my um, simplification philosophy. Like, when we look at a defense, I don't call it a 4-4 or a 4-3. I tell the center to look what's in between the guards. You got number of defensive linemen and a number of linebacker. You can have an even front, center uncovered, odd front, center covered. Linebackers can be split. Um, two linebackers over the guards are stacked, one linebacker over the center. So we call like a 4-4 four, four would just be even split because mm-hmm. that way you don't have to count, all right, they got four linemen, they got four linebackers, and it's just a lot less thinking a kid has to do. Does that does it make sense? Or I know it's yeah. kind of hard to explain over podcast. <laughs> no, man, you're, you're speaking our language. That's, <clears throat> that's literally, I mean, I, I know Harp and I use literally two calls. It's just odd and even. And we, we, you know, even with, with combos, we might, we might have names for them, but that's simply for, you know, playbook identification and, <laughs> and for us to maybe, you know, the kids know what we're talking about in the film room. When the kids are talking on the field, rarely are they ever using our terminology. They, they have yes. their own calls. It's like, hey, you, you and me are going to block this guy to that guy. You know, you, so, you know, hey, odd, 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 you and me to 52. And, you know, kids can come up with whatever calls they want because, hey, they're the ones playing. It. It's not a, a huge deal for me. Again, you know, why am I wasting time on something that literally means nothing? As long as they're, they're doing uh, and executing the, the combination, it doesn't matter. I don't care what we call it. Cool. Hey, sweet. We, we executed that combo block. It doesn't matter what we call it, you know. At the end they just got to remember it. Yeah. At the, at the end of the day, they, they get it done. And I think, you know, the, the same thing with learning and, and simplification – you know, throw, throwing things in the in kind of the same. We call them. I call them buckets all the time. You know, things that are similar. Put them in the same bucket. You know, all your gap schemes are named after cars. You know, or all all your gap schemes are named after you know furniture in your house or something like that. You know, doing the same thing on defense. You know, four man pressures are one thing. Five man pressures are cities. Six man man pressures are whatever. So I think. You know, when kids can make those associations, they'll at least now know, oh, okay, it's, it's, a, it's a car. That must be a gap scheme. I'm responsible for my inside gap. It, it allows them to, to have that kind of background knowledge, background rule to where they can always fall back on, and they don't have to get confused with all the other, you know, maybe stupid things that we try to teach them as coaches, <laughs> mess them up. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it, it's, it's just unbelievable thinking back like, I used to differentiate like a 4-4 and a 4-2-5, like they're two different things. I mean, at the end of the day, you got two linebackers and two defensive tackles between the guards, and that's all that matters. It's one high safety or it's two high safety. It's not three deep or four deep. It's just less counting. Less counting is always better. We were not, we're not like some up-tempo team that wants to snap the ball as soon as possible, but I just, I'd like to eliminate as much counting and thinking as I can before the snap. Sorry, Rowdy, go ahead. No, that's what I was gonna say, and it's like it doesn't really matter the offensive line, anyways. It's like, yeah. okay, who am I supposed to block? That's what I ran into college. They wanted us to call whatever, and it's an it's it's under if it's to the tight end, but it's it's over if it's not. And and I was always just like, well, yeah, but in the end, none of that matters, anyways, right? I mean, we call it, you know, we had the still the dumbest term we had was there was like a, a Bosco, which meant 
we think there's coming pressure from the strength. And we must have had hour-long conversations about this, and I still to this day think, why didn't I just say, hey, alert, 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 to tell him, hey, there's pressure from this side. And he no, it's a Bosco if it's to the strength. It's a Bam if it's if it's coming weak. And to a run game, that's easy. But with pass game, because we're our protection, but that's setting the man side. Okay, well then, is the strong side to the right or is the strong side to the left? And it all came from actually formation strength, and we didn't know any of the formations. As I don't know where the receivers are. <laughs> yeah, and I'm like, well, what this is we're wasting so much time here for no reason. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know yeah, what I mean. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, you guys were no huddle at the time, too. So, I mean, did you even get the formation signal half the time? No, never knew it. Never knew what the formation was. <laughs> All I see when I see that is just an extra excuse to yell at a kid. Yeah, well, it, it looks – all, and it is. It's great on paper, and it's great when you're given clinics, but it didn't matter to, to us up front. And so I, I learned to just um, ignore that. And I, I learned that certain coaches really liked their terms, and so – um, I would learn to say them in, in meetings and I would never say them again. Or I'd tell them when I got older, I don't know, coach, that's kind of a dumb name, whatever. There, there's someone coming. <laughs> I just tell them, I just tell them alert if there's someone coming. And if I was good enough when I was a senior, it didn't really mess with me too much. So, um, I got to where I could do that and I made sure I did what I was supposed to do. But I, I that was probably the best learning experience for me was like, if, Hey, if, if they're not going to use it, then there's no reason then and putting that on them, you know, it, if you, if it helps you communicate it with other coaches, then yeah, come up with the terminology, but you don't have to put that on your kids if it's not going to actually help them. For us, uh, our rules against odd are going to change some things up against even. So we're going to make sure the center calls even or odd, but even then most games, most teams we play are either going to be even or odd. So yeah. even that, it doesn't become super important unless, you know, there are a few teams we play that'll jump in between the two. Then I, it's a big week where I say, Hey, um, you, you really need to do a good job of calling out even an odd this week. But for the most part, it teams either even or they're odd. So even then it doesn't get to where that's even super important all the time. <laughs> I mean, you know, I, I kind of, I've been lurking on coach Huey, which is for those who don't know, is just a great resource, a free website. And I've, I lurked on Coach Huey early in my coaching career, and I remember there was a thread called, do we make the game too complicated? And I just – some of the answers in that thread just – it was like reading the gospel or something. It just spoke to me, you know. And, I mean, I, I think we do. I think this is a kid game that can be ruined by adults. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's just my honest-to-God opinion. I think coaches can harm a kid more than they can help a kid sometimes. Mm-hmm. I think it's kind of an ego thing, but I don't know. And well, that's something that yeah, Walt touched on yesterday. Yeah, that's and I you say that. I think, and this is, I don't mean this in a bad way, but I think sometimes for the people who did play in college or whatever, or especially the um, Division One FBS level, like you did, Rowdy, I think sometimes it can be more tempting to come and bring some of that college stuff to high school, whereas. <laughs> I played high school football in a double tight, double wing offense where we had, I think, six plays. Like, that's my last level of football. So, I mean, it wasn't that that was all I knew, but it's like that's just what I believe in is, like, being really minimalist and just getting good at something, you know. And, I, and Rowdy, I didn't mean that, like, I think you <laughs> don't believe in that philosophy. No, no, no. I know, I, what you, I know what you're saying, yeah. <laughs> 
Harper's Harper's talked about it a bunch of times how, you know, and even, you know, Rowdy was a really, really, really good football player. But even, you yeah. know, by, by his standards, he would tell you too, hey, I, I didn't play in the NFL, you know, so it's all kind yeah. of relative. But, you know, the reason, again, and I've heard Rowdy say this, you know, 20 times, that's why I can, I can tell the story, I guess, <laughs> for you, Rowdy. But, I mean, he says that, you know, he, he had to be a technician. And he oh, had yeah. to study and he had to know those things where it's like, I think you're probably referring to the guys where just naturally it would happen. Yes. You know, and, and they, you. and they felt like, you know, I, I show up, I dominate cause I'm a, I'm a, a freak phenomenal athlete. That means I should automatically be a, a great football coach. doesn't always translate, you know, sometimes some of them. Yeah, absolutely. Some of them, not so much. Any, I mean, I'm kind of happy that I didn't play in college in a way because I carry that chip on my shoulder with me everywhere I go. And it's not because I think I was some great player that got turned down or whatever. Believe me, that is not the case at all. <laughs> but I, don't know, I, I just kind of had that chip on my shoulder. Like, almost, this sounds bad to say it this way, but almost like I have like unfinished business. And I coach with the same intensity I played with. And I don't know, I, I just had that fire burning deep down inside of me, and I will probably for the rest of my coaching career. Yeah, there's, there's no doubt. If you can find um, – now, I've seen guys that have run a little too wild with the chip on their shoulder, and, and they, <laughs> they've got a chip on their shoulder about every single thing, and that gets uh, – that'll wear you out a little bit. But I think the guys that do a really good job have a certain chip on their shoulder, and they know how to control it, but they – can always find, you know, even when things are going well, they can find a way to, to add that chip back on their shoulder to, to keep them hungry, to keep them learning. And I think it's a, it's a great tool to use when used correctly. Yes, definitely. I mean, by no means am I some, like, fiery motivator who's going to come unleash some awesome pregame speech upon the locker room before the game. <laughs> I mean, I'm way too awkward for that. But, I mean, I don't know. I just – I have that – type a personality like that i like i might not have been like the d1 football player or whatever but i'm gonna work my ass off in the off season i'm gonna do everything i can i'm gonna do something that's not asking me like fill up water bottles before practice whatever i want to do what i can to move on up in this profession and be the best coach i can be at whatever position i am I mean, that's just something my dad always taught me. Just be the best grower you're planted. It's good advice, man. I think, you know, any time you, you, can, you can stay motivated, any time you can push yourself, you know, continually to new levels and finding, you know, whatever way it is to, to grow. I know we had, you know, Fergus Conley on last night. He, just, he, he kept talking about it. It didn't matter where it was. You know, he was, he was going to learn something from somebody, any walk of life. And I think having that mentality – by all means, not thinking you've already arrived, not thinking you know it all. And then at the same time, hey, you know, not ever kind of turning anybody away. Anyone can help me. Any interaction can help me. Me being just a good person and, and nice to people, that stuff just has a, a way of paying off. There's no doubt. Yeah. Well, Coach, no, well, coach we've, does. I mean, we've, we've, uh, we've spent an hour. It's, it's been uh, really fun, and, and it's, it's great kind of seeing uh, another – I guess I'm kind of not being a young guy anymore, but it's nice to see another uh, young, young guy uh, in the profession and, and hear from that. But the, the one question I always like to end with is, is when you're watching other teams' offensive line, what's some things they'd be doing that would make you think really highly of their offensive line coach? 
Well, I know the standard answer for this is finishing. <laughs> I mean, and I, I, I think that's something every every good offensive line has. But I've also seen some of the worst football teams I've ever had just come out with five meatheads up front, and while I don't do the right assignments or anything, they'll knock you on the ground. I mean, so that's why I'm not going to answer with finishing, but I think alignment. What you do before the snap tells me if you're a really well-coached team. I mean, the vertical split by the line, proper horizontal splits. Like, you know, just talking up front, looking like, looking like a team instead of five guys, like one unit, you know. I think that that's always the mark of a really well-coached team. Most definitely, man. I think, you know, it's, it's literally impossible for, you know, f- five guys to, to work together, you know, in unison and, unless somebody's leading them and coaching them. You know, you see, see teams like the, the Navy SEALs, you know, it's a group of six guys. Yeah. And it's, it's finding a way to, to get those six guys to, to work in unison. And uh, I, I think that's always kind of the, the trademark and, you know, the, the sign of, of an effective leader. If you can get that unit to, to work as one, to, uh, you know, have that brotherhood and that camaraderie, that communication, and to, to be able to go in and get the job done, generally there's got to be someone behind that who's, who's usually, you know, I'm not saying he's, he's the only reason, but it's, it's somebody in there who's got their trust and their respect, and he's, yeah. he's pushing those guys to, to work as a unit to move that ball down the field. And, hey, guess what? They're probably finishing people too. <laughs> yeah, I mean, th- those are the coachable lines. Those are the guys who, when it's the fourth quarter and they got sweat dripping from their eyes, they're still doing the little things like aligning properly. You know, those are the teams that scare me. And that's going to do it for this episode of RTP. We want to again thank all of our sponsors. You guys, make sure and go check them out. Help grow our community by telling other coaches about Run the Power. And if you enjoy Running the Power, go get your shirt, long sleeve, or hoodie at runthepower.com. Also, if you have any topics or any questions you would like for us to discuss in the next podcast, simply rate our podcast and then leave a comment in the writer review section of the podcast app. This will help our podcast rating as well as it allow us to answer the questions you all want answered. Make sure and go check out our blog at runthepower.com. Follow me on Twitter at Harper underscore Coach and Coach Walls at Coach Brady Walls. Run the Power now also has its own Twitter and Instagram, and you can find that at Run the Power. Hope you guys enjoyed this one. Talk to you soon.